Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Today is the transfiguration of our Lord, and that event and that day is, plays an important place in the gospel and the story, the history of Jesus Christ, where Jesus had called three of his disciples to go up to a mountain to be with him, where they would witness this event. Now, the number three was significant because three witnesses would establish the truth of a matter, of an event. And that in itself elevated the importance of this event for the gospel and for us. Peter later wrote, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And then the Gospel of John, in its first chapter, parallels what Peter said and what we read of here in the the Gospel reading this morning. John wrote, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 1, verse 14. So, and there are three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they all tell us of this event in the details of it. Now, this morning I'd like to focus on that Gospel reading that we heard from Luke particularly. But also I would like to overlay that Gospel with these, this verse from John in, in verse 14 of chapter 1. This account of the words of John as a sort of pattern of a guide for for our consideration this morning, where John writes, we have seen his glory. And so the first point in the outline is, and I would like to emphasize for our pattern, each of the words of that, uh, that message, that statement from John. And the first point is, the we. We, of course. We refers to the apostolic witnesses, Peter, James, and John. We were eyewitnesses. We have seen his glory. And their witness held up the importance of that event for the gospel, and as I said, for us as well. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Jesus wanted them to hear and to to see the gospel. And that is his glory. So as to be bolstered up in their faith as to who Jesus truly is. And that's crucial for us. It's vital for our salvation to know and to trust in who he is and to have the conviction that Jesus is truly both God and man. Because up to this point, the disciples had 
known Jesus as a man. They walked with him on the dusty roads and under the hot sun. They sat with him on the hard earthen rocks. They reclined with him at wooden tables. They listened to him as he spoke with a human voice the words of truth and grace. Yes, they had heard him teach as one who had authority. They had witnessed many wonders of his healing. They saw how he commanded the wind and the waves, and they all obeyed him. And they saw him walk on water, but still they only saw the man. They wanted Jesus wanted them to, to be privy to this real glory that was his all the time, his great majesty that was his. He was a human being, but he was at the same time truly God. And this was necessary to know and to believe because of what he had come to do. To accomplish for us. He had come to be the substitute to take the place of the whole world and to take our place under the law, to take the world's sin and the world's punishment upon himself. No mere man could do that. Only he who is the eternal God, who became fully human, could accomplish that. And in God's plan, in God's economy, the witness to this event was important. It was important to bolster up and to support belief in Jesus. John later wrote, these things were written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you may have life in his name. So we in the outline, point one, certainly speaks of the disciples' witness. But here's the question that I would like to ask and pose this morning. I would ask, can we also be included as well in this we? We might also say that we have seen his glory. So is it stretching John's statement to also include us in the we? Because you see, the good news of Jesus and his glory extends to us as well. We too become convinced of Jesus' person and who he is. This is the work of the Holy Spirit through the means of grace, such as baptism and the Lord's Supper, the word of the gospel. And I would emphasize this morning through the inspiration of Scripture, because as I read and I dig into these words of Scripture, because they are the word of God, the glory of the Lord is emblazoned on me and on my mind and heart as though I were actually there. In fact, it's better than merely being there and seeing with your eye because it is the divine word that is effective. 
The unfolding of your words, the psalm writes, gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. The words of the Lord reveal and extend the glory of Christ to us for our faith. We have seen the second part, the second point of the outline. Emphasizes have seen. The gospel lays out that witness of the three disciples of what they saw. It's important for us as well to hear that witness. And so Jesus took with him three of his disciples so that they could see and then bear witness to what they saw. And it was an act of grace. It says Jesus took them, that is, he received them to be present with them, to be witnesses of something very special. It was a gracious privilege that they didn't deserve to be called up to that mountain to partake of and to share in that glory. It's the same kind of receiving that the Lord grants to us and to all people in the gospel. And he grants that to be with him, to partake of the benefits and his indeed his glory by his grace because he welcomes us and he calls us as he does through baptism to be in his presence and to be recipients of all that he is and all that he has and he calls us to be witnesses of his glory and so he prayed and as he prayed something unique happened. It says his appearance literally became something other. Luke writes a little more subtly when he uses this language of something other. His countenance changed, so it wasn't the same. But Matthew, in his gospel, is a little more stark about it. It says, his face shone like the sun. His very body exuded light from within. And I would also add that it exuded an inner joy and a strength and a reality that was not previously evident. It was dramatic, so that even his clothes could not cover it up. But they emitted, they radiated his glory in the form of his light. A bright, high-definition TV that emits light all around it would be a very pale comparison to that which shone forth from Jesus' face and clothing and body. And what was this light that they saw? What was it about? It's interesting, they, the disciples, it says they became drowsy at first when Jesus started praying, but then when things started happening, they kind of snapped out of it and they shook it off and they, they, they became fully alert. And then it says, both Matthew and Luke say, they saw his glory, his glory. They saw the reality of his nature, of who he was as the Son of God. That is, 
true God equal with the Father. That mystery of the Trinity. They were in the presence of God himself. They saw it. But again, I would, I would ask, is there a sense in which we too can say we have seen his glory? Of course, we don't see, that is, with our eyes. And so can we say we have seen his glory? Right now, the Bible says, no, we haven't seen him. But again, I would submit that there is a sense, a sense in which we do, quote, see his glory. Because the word here for see is more than simply seeing with the eye. Martin Luther uh, said that any cow can see an object in front of it. But what do they understand about it? What do they make of it when it comes to seeing the glory of the Lord? An aspect here is that of perspection or per per perception and an aspect of understanding. And yes, an aspect of the conviction of faith in the heart. When we hear and we, when we read these words of the gospel, the Holy Spirit causes us to be affected and to believe and to understand that this is indeed our Lord and our Savior. John's expression in his gospel that is overlaid here was even more to this point. Because John's word, when he says, we have seen, means to contemplate. It's been translated in perhaps the King James as, we have beheld his glory. It's a deliberate studying and grasping of that event. It's not just a blind seeing, but it's a reflection, a meditation, so that you grasp the meaning of it. This is the kind of seeing that happens when you hear the word of God and it meets your heart with faith. We see the, his glory in our life of faith. Even though we don't currently see him, we know and believe in him that he is with us. We trust that he is our, as he promised, our good shepherd. We believe that. We trust that. We know it. When he said, I know my own and my own know me, we behold his glory. When we pray, we experience, don't we, that he hears us and he answers our prayers. This is a living faith that is confident of who he is and what he has done and what he still does for us. We have seen his glory. This is our witness. But then there's another vital point here. Point three in the outline. We have seen, and here's the emphasis, his glory. Because what I mean by this is that with this emphasis on the his, the glory that Jesus showed had a definite, certain context. His glory is more than that raw power that people might normally think of that we have exemplified in the 
cartoon characters of the superheroes. They have those glowing eyes, and they emit light from their eyes and other parts of their body to display their, some pure power that seeks to crush their enemies, to destroy their enemies. It's the kind of glory that exerts force over others. You might see, have seen the display of military power lately as Russia has gone to war in Ukraine. And they show their, everybody's afraid of that military power, their ability to crush their enemy. And one country seeks, seeks to flaunt its power, its glory over another. And that kind of glory is a fearful thing. But that's not Jesus' glory. His glory is always connected to his love, his sacrificial love. His love that was shown especially on the cross. So if you want to see, to truly see his glory, you have to look at the cross. His glory is never apart from that event, that scene, that dark scene of the cross. But it's always, his glory is always a part of that. And the fact that he humbled himself and he took on himself the form of a servant and he became obedient even to the point of dying on the cross. His glory was not an occasion where he flaunted his superiority over his enemies. And thank God for that, that he did not treat us as enemies of God, which we are by nature, as the apostle tells us. We were all enemies of God through our sin. That's something that continues in our hearts. Thank God that he doesn't crush us and treat us as his enemies. Rather, he loved us, and he took our sin. He took that punishment upon himself so that there was no form or beauty, as Isaiah said, in him that we should desire him. That's where his glory is best and most shown. An interesting part of this account is the subject matter, which he was speaking of with Moses and Elijah. And the translation reads that they were speaking about his, quote, his departure that he was about to fulfill. And this is usually taken and translated as his death. But the word here that is used is really the word exodus. They were talking about his exodus, which he was about to fulfill. And recognize that word now, exodus, the subject matter of their conversation. The word exodus brings out, doesn't it, the deeds of God that he, where he showed his glory as he took the people of Israel out from Egypt, out from the captivity of Egypt, and into the freedom of the sons of God in the promised land. That exodus, though, was only a shadow of that which Jesus was going to accomplish. That greater glory of Jesus was about to reveal. 
Jesus would deliver all mankind from the slavery of sin, from the bondage of death, and from the power of the devil. That deliverance was accomplished, not by the exercise of raw power who crushes his enemies, but by his humble suffering and death on the cross and in his resurrection from the dead. The glory of Jesus was that great deliverance accomplished on the cross where the light didn't shine from his face, but his body was broken and there was no former beauty that we should desire him, but that is where the glory is most truly expressed. And Jesus had to reveal his glory so that we might know, so that we might believe and trust him and what he has done for us. Thank the Lord that he continues to reveal his glory to you. Yes, every day, so that you may know him and trust who he really is. May the Lord enable you to share that witness too. We have seen his glory. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.